talking to myself. We're live right now. I just want to make sure you, I'm very, very clear about that so you don't get in trouble. Okay. Okay. Um, wait a minute. I need to plug my headphones in. There we go. Now we're not going to get an echo. Can you say something again? Yeah, I was wondering. Something was off about you. Yeah, I, I had the... I had the microphone almost plugged in, but not all the way plugged in. Do we have anyone actually watching us at this point? It looks like no. Did I actually pick up a link? So, so, yeah, we're on. Wait for people to join? Well, yeah, we can just screw around here. Today has sucked for me. This has really not been good for Triple Mania Day. I, I posted a little bit about it on Twitter, but I woke up today to find out that my internet's been down, and I was told 11 a.m. would get fixed. 3 p.m. it was going to get fixed, 7 p.m. it was going to get fixed, and then like a minute into the main event, I just left my TV on because I'm an idiot, and then the TV starts going, showing stuff, but it's like, I can't switch everything to the TV at that point, it's too late, I've been watching AAA in the small window of my laptop for the last three hours, and trying to scribble down notes in another window, it was not the smartest experience, but I also had an idea that if my phone did not hold up, and I'm going to be paying so much um, data charges on my phone this this month, I'm sure. But my phone didn't help up. I was going to go to a library and in the parking lot. So it could have been worse. I did get to see the uh, see Chessman and Pagano almost kill each other and themselves from my own home instead of in the backseat of a car. But it was a it, it was a unique experience. It looks like we're up to ten people. Wow. You stream the entire show on your phone. Uh, no, I ended up uh, streaming it on my computer in the end, but I sh used the data off my phone onto my laptop. I'm surprised you don't have a data plan that covers like unlimited data, basically. Because I mean, I have, I don't have unlimited data, but I have enough data where, yeah, I'll never reach the the limit, basically. I have pay as you go because I barely use the messages and the minutes. So I probably should, if I could just get a plan that was just data, I'd probably be fine. But I'm just, it's like. When I'm not using data, it's only like $40 a month or everything. So I get like a cheap plan. But I'm going to regret it this month. But it was the beginning of the month, so that's going to happen. I have plenty of month not to use it now, I guess. Okay. We have nine people. That's as enough as I need. Do you want to start talking about the show? How do you feel overall about the show? Because we, because this is late because I did the recap for post wrestling and I've not done a recap in a while and I didn't realize how long it was going to take. And then when you see the recap on post wrestling, you say, why did you write so much? So I'm all sorts of hyper stuff and I need to stop talking so you can talk. What do you think of the show? Well, don't be so down on the fact that there's only nine people listening because that's nine more fans than attended Triple Mania this year. No, I'm not sure about that because... You heard like a couple matches, the women's match and that main event. There were far more than nine people there, so I, I, it was like the it was like the Lucha Fighter show where there was obviously people hiding behind the camera, except there seemed a lot more people hiding in Triple Mania than there was during that show. Yeah, they definitely had people on the hard cam side sitting there watching. I'm assuming just friends, family, maybe some people tied in, just like when AEW tapes. And they have all the people who are connected with the Daily's Place that are watching the show. And they just did a good job hiding them. Unlike you watch these indie shows where they're like, nobody's allowed in the building. But you hear people cheering. And then when they do dives and the camera shows what's happening on the outside, yeah. you see all these people huddled in a small space. And you're like, I mean, if you're going to let people in, at least let them spread out. Don't put them in a small space. But AAA hit it really well. Yeah, there was... They they made a point of never shooting back from the entrance side or whatever the opposite side back of the hard camera to keep it quiet. So 
Um, I'm sure the I saw some people who were posted high up in like the press area during the show, but I never I was not having time to look deeply in the Triple Mania stuff. But we never saw like what was actually going back back there, which was a smart move on their part. Yeah, and as for my overall thoughts on the show, before we break it down match by match, I thought I was really really excited for the show. I thought it pretty much delivered. There was only a one like. 30 to 40 minute block in the middle of the show where I felt it was kind of dragging and I wasn't as into it. But I thought the presentation came off great. I liked the way they used the space in the building so you didn't feel like you were in a cavernous Arena Mexico, for example, when we watched the CMLL shows. And I thought the wrestlers delivered. Everybody, for the most part, seems to be working super hard. The announcing was great. I would say, I would, I would say great just because I'm sure. Conan was the one telling Hugo to do the English, and it wasn't Hugo doing it himself. But it was good, because a lot of people who were tuning in, just for Kenny, I saw the feedback on Twitter that they were really into the fact that once in a while Hugo would let them know what's going on in English. And I think that that should be a part of, if they're not going to do full English commentary, that should be something they do going forward. Hugo always seemed like he did that a little bit, like he would throw in English stuff. But I think he had in his mind to do that a little bit more often because of the because of the situation where there was no normal English commentary. I was surprised that Guillen did not join in with him as well, because he just stuck with Spanish the whole time. And he can do English well. He was on this podcast at one point, so we know he can do English well. Um, it, I think overall, if you were like, for some reason, listening to this podcast and you have not listened to the show, would you agree to me with that? If you wanted to watch four matches from the show, it should be the first two and like the last two, and then like the middle is a portion that you can just kind of fast forward a bit through. Say that one more time. I was just reading that our audio was really low. Our audio is really low. Is the thing I can fix? Maybe. Let's see if we can turn that up. I figure before I go on and start talking, we should make sure the audio is working so we're not just talking to each other. Yeah, although that happens a lot too. Okay, I've put them both up. We're on my laptop because I didn't have this up on my desktop because the, the internet hasn't been working all day. So I'm hoping the setup works well, but if it does not, then let us know in the comments and I will try to fix it as I can. Um, if, listening, if you're still listening, Alan, let me know because you're the one who I read that from. Yeah. Uh, your question was to recommend which like four matches from the show? If I, if you were have not seen Triple Mania somehow, but you decided to listen to this podcast and you're going to hit stop and go watch Triple Mania, the, the four matches I would tell you to watch are the first two and the last two. Is that kind of what you would say? Yeah, I would pretty much agree. Now they're saying only my audio is low, so you talk while I try to fix my audio. I can just boost your audio on the side. That's probably an issue. That's top. Yeah, up. I like the. I thought that's basically the show for me. It was like the letter U. I thought it started great, and then the or more like a V, not a U, because the U has a bigger curve. It just <laughs> dipped in the middle, basically from the tail end of the women's match until the Marvel match, and then right back up at the end. But remember in the press conference, Dorian Roldan was saying that he wanted to end the show on a good note, unlike past years. And I definitely think that this show ended on the best note possible with two really strong but different matches. Yeah, I, I think there are people who are going to absolutely hate that main event because it's not what they think professional wrestling should be, especially like with the amazingly stupid stuff that Pagano and Chessman were doing. But it was also the amazing spectacle that is Triple Mania every year. And I think that I think the promotion probably could not be any more happy about how that match turned out. I think that's exactly what they wanted to see. And they were probably 
and, and they probably were barrack stack afterwards in the back. Well, I don't even think that that's what professional wrestling should be, but <laughs> I think that there's a time and a place for it, and this was definitely the time and the place to do something like that. Yeah, I, I think that was it was like the best match those guys were possibly going to have, and it was the match that they were going to want to have. And I, I guess, and if you're ever going to do it, you're going to do it in that situation with those guys. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. I thought they delivered, and we got basically anything you wanted from the matches on this show. You pretty much got it for the most part. I think everybody delivered exactly what they were supposed to. Nobody tried to leave their leave their like try to. Uh, I don't know what the correct term is, but sometimes in past years you have guys who are like out there doing stuff for way too long, like a Blue Damon Jr., for example, doing like a 25-30 minute match when he shouldn't be. Tonight, his trios match was kind of in and out. Kenny and Loretta were there to do the, the big dramatic match, so nobody else really had to. They went with the actual story aspect during the three-way tag title match earlier to make it different. And the opener was exactly what it was supposed to be. So every every box was checked on tonight's show. I thought. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. They I think they they talked about doing the, a variety of matches and doing uh doing and finishing strong. And I think they accomplished both of their goals there. Yeah. So you want to go through it match by match? Yeah, we should do that. We'll start with the opener, which was Puerto del Norte versus. Maximo, Mr. Guana, and Dean Cena in for Nino Hamburguesa. You think, like, even on Triple Mania, they can't advertise, they can't mention when someone's subbed in. But I think, obviously, the match was better for Dinastia. It's not even that Dinastia had, had a huge impact, but I think it changed the the way that match worked, where it was, like, more on action and less on comedy. Um, and it felt like, even though Iguana got literally taken out at the end, he felt like the star of that match by the end. Yeah, for those listening, I actually did talk to Iguana. He's doing fine. He was knocked out at the end there, but, you know, these luchadors, they're unbreakable. They recover quickly. Except for, in this case, Nino Hamburguesa, who we read was out with a knee injury. I heard about that was going to happen during the week. Wasn't 100% sure, but they were more uh, leaning towards taking him out. And if you saw the opening video package that they did when the show began, they actually had Dinastia in the opener spot. So, uh, clearly... This was, it wasn't just uh, Nino Hamburguesa being pulled at the last second. The match was good. I thought a little less flying and basing than I expected. If you saw that Carter Brava Jr.'s shoulder was all taped up, so he was clearly dealing with something. But the Rudos got in all their stuff. The Technicos did more of their big high-risk moves. I guess they wanted to start the show on it with a bang rather than... Uh, Back and forth, you know, Rudos dominating, Technicos coming back, longer style match. I think they went about 10 to 12 minutes really fast. Triple A, as usual, had trouble shooting everything with their camera. I think they kind of missed a couple of the corkscrew dives the Technicos did. And then, unfortunately, Mr. Iguana had to be in there at the end to take the machine gun finish. But exactly the opener the show needed, I thought. Yeah, I, I think... I had that timed about 16 minutes, and I'm not even sure if I'm correct because it flew by a lot quicker than that. I think I really liked the Guana at the end getting to do the Jessica Scott spots before getting taken out, and I, I think they they did a lot more than I was expecting for an opener match. Maximo did a backflip off the apron to the floor, which <laughs> I've never seen him do in his career. And 
it feels like ages ago now that we were complaining that Maximo wasn't even trying in his AAA appearances. So he's clearly back all in. Uh, uh, it's one match. It's Triple Mania. Let's see when we're doing sure. <laughs> we're doing a random show in Toluca. Um, we'll see how he's do, how he's doing then. Um, and I thought Dinastia Dina, Dina looked great, so I'm happy yeah. for him. I think he's a guy that if if whenever things return to normal, I guess, in 2021, 22, whenever it is, he's a guy who they should move up somehow. I don't know into what role. I thought he would be good playing one of the Marvel characters, but I guess we'll get to that later. Do you think we're going to get the, the semi-annual Dinastia is about to be featured a lot more mentioned in the Observer? Yes, and then we'll get the annual Dynastia does not end up being featured more. <laughs> yes, it, it's a tradition like none other. Um, yes. We moved on from there to the Laparca tribute with the Churro Gonzalez dance bit, which I thought went well, and the speeches in the ring, which were nice. I thought we were going to get a bigger moment with Curry Slavamia there, but and I, I kind of take that as a sense that they don't think he's ready, because otherwise... If he was ready to be Lil Parker, they would have made him Lil Parker on this night. So it was nicely done, but I don't understand. I understand why they felt like they needed to do it this year because he passed away this year. But I feel it would have been so much better if they could have waited to do it in front of fans. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up doing it again next year if there's a triple mania with fans. But I thought this was simple, to the point, really nice. Don't have to overdo it. And clearly they were... Uh, uh, he was only, I mean, Leparka has other family besides his son, obviously, but his son was the only one there, as far as I could tell. So that's why I think they might do it again in the future with the rest of his family there and a bigger tribute. I thought, at the very least, his son was going to come out doing the Parka dance in his entrance, but what they did with the dancers was good enough for me. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was it was nice. I just wanted more for him, given what he did. But they spoke so nicely of him. What did you think of um, Dorian Marcella having basically thrown so watch a show from? I thought that was so AAA, but also it's so weird, but so AAA. Say the question again. They had that like seating area off to the side that was almost like a royal seating box instead of you know. Oh, right. <laughs> it was like no other promotion would put the owners in front of the cameras like that in that way. Aren't there some early, very, very, very early Lucha Underground episodes where you can see Maricela and Dorian? But at least I know Maricela sitting in the crowd. You can see both of them. But that felt like more they need people to fill in the crowd that point Lucha Underground because they didn't have anyone showing up. Well, hey, she had her own <laughs> private car on the Auto Luchas, right? Yes. So she's not – listen, she's learned her lesson. Well, what happened <laughs> last time? She sat amongst the regular people. I believe <laughs> she got taken out by Phoenix. Yeah, she, she sat – a long, long way from Phoenix and everyone else on the show. So our second show had our second match had Phoenix. It was Phoenix and Penta versus Octagon and Mississus versus Ray Scorpion and Tejano. Three way tag for the tag team titles. This was just like all action all the way, which is exactly what you wanted out of this match. I thought they did uh interesting job of playing off the real story or the believed I don't know. I believe I thought Penta had a back injury, but they kind of went the idea that we were supposed to know that he already had a knee injury before the Scorpion attacked it, and then he came back to make the save at the end to keep the titles. Um, I thought there was so much stuff that some of the stuff didn't have impact, but it was exactly the kind of wild scramble match you kind of, you were hoping out of this match. Yeah, I liked it. Everybody got their moments. The if you really really analyze the match and look at it, it was. 
the AAA teams that were doing the majority of the work. <laughs> the Lucha Brothers were doing their stuff, but you know, Phoenix did. Phoenix is a smart enough worker now where he just tosses in his big springboard moves or his dive at the end of the match. He knows when to put it in there, or he doesn't have to do the excess that the AAA guys are doing. For example, like Octagon Junior and Mrs. were everywhere in this match. The tornado that Octagon did was just so out of control. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even try to catch him. And a Scorpion just threw up his arms and saved him as much as he could. But Mysticis was doing cool stuff, flipping all over the place. I liked I liked the injury angle because I thought, you know, you, so many times we've seen this match on the AAA show where guys are just out there doing all their moves, building up to the finish. And in this case, it's like, I thought it was going that way. And then all of a sudden you had a storyline where Penta's out, Phoenix is all alone, and you're wondering, oh, this is the way for them to get the title, because I thought there was a title change coming for sure. I thought, oh, this is how they're going to get the titles off them. Phoenix is going to be left alone and beat, and there's that's their excuse. But then you have Penta coming out from the back, delivering the super kick on one leg. I'm not really sure how that works, but apparently it does. And then they hit the package pile driver to keep the titles. I thought it was humorous. Hugo trying to say that the the bat was wrapped in chains, and then Jose Manuel had to say that it was barbed wire. Yeah. And I'm like, Hugo, you, you've been in Puerto Rico how many how many times before, and you don't know what a barbed wire bat looks like? Uh, have you ever seen chains on a bat? <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> no, I have not either. It was so weird. Um, I found it interesting that even though they had the Lucha Brothers be the focus of the match by winning it at the end, they really moved them off stage pretty quickly to do the. Torres comes in, Vikingo comes in, we're back to the Mercenarios versus Janete's feud. It was it was the Lucha Brothers as a special guest, but the AAA is still going to focus most of their attention on the big sub. I also found it interesting that Vikingo was being talked about having a grand return when no one had mentioned him leaving at any point, really. It had been hush-hush, but he's back now, so we can talk about him being gone. The very usual AAA weirdness. Yeah, I had heard, uh, I knew Vikingo was practicing with the AAA guys and all that. And I thought, I had an inkling that he was coming back tonight, but I thought it was going to happen when Octagon Jr. got tied to the ropes during the match. And I thought that was the perfect setup for Vikingo to run up, untie him, and then to do whatever they have to do next. But they sent Taurus out there instead to take a disgusting-looking spike <laughs> reverse Frankensteiner. And then Vikingo hit the spinning Rana, off, taking a scorpion off the top rope to the floor. Spectacular spot is in, the, is in all the gifts going around on Twitter. So mission accomplished. Hinetes are back together. And I guess everything is patched up right now with Vikingo because I guess he's the next contender for Kenny Omega, as we'll get to later on. Yeah, I wonder about that. But, you know, the, the eternal problem for the Genetes is that Mississippi did this beautiful shooting star across to the floor, and then but the gifs are going to be all the Vikingo stuff. Because just hanging around with Vikingo is tough if you're a flyer. You just get overshadowed all the time. Which will we will bring up again later on <laughs> when you talk about the Marvel characters, I thought. Yeah, I, I think we're going to be on the same page on that. I think we're also going to be on the same page on the Triple Mania, uh, the Copa Triple Mania, which was turned into a nine-person women in Exotico's um, Royal Rumble. I have the list of elimination entries, but really, I don't think they actually matter all that much. Um, yeah. it, it, it came down to Lady Shani versus Lady Shani versus Lady Maravilla. Am I getting, I'm, I'm having trouble with names late at night, but with um, Shani did some cool submission holds at the end and got Maravilla to, to win. 
But I thought the problem is that she was doing a lot of submission holds when they were still doing eliminations over the top, which didn't make any sense at all. And even the announcers pointed out and like the eliminations themselves weren't always so great. And they, the extra people in the match really didn't add a whole bunch. I think people are happy to see big mommy and her initial run did well, but it took them so long to get her out. That kind of killed the match at that point. Um, Mamba and Pimpinella, Mama really didn't add much except to be a base for Hades' moves, and Hades didn't get to last that long for some reason. And Pippinella got to do her one spot, and then that was the end of Pippinella. In the process, this is like a 20-minute match. It should have gone, should have just been like six women in the ring and gone 10 minutes, and everyone would have gone home happy. But um, what do you think of it? Yeah. Uh, first of all, we were lied to because they said there were going to be six women, and mm-hmm. it looked great on paper with those six women. Yeah. And it seemed like the additions were, yeah, it was more for the surprise than anything, because it definitely wasn't. It was more, to, I think it was more just to check off that Pippinella got a Triple Mania appearance. And if you're going to Pippinella, right. you're going to add the other two as well. Yeah, but I mean, Big Mommy was a notable exception from the lineup when you yeah. saw it. Yeah. She was one of the people like, hmm, I wonder why she's not on the show. And clearly <laughs> they kept her off the poster because they wanted us to think this was going to be a different match than what we actually got, which is fine, whatever. But definitely... Overstate its welcome. Way too long. Also, very CMLL in the, in the way too confusing format. That makes no sense. Like Hugo even said at one point, he was trying to explain the rules. He's like, you have to go over the top rope. <laughs> Literally at the exact moment that Tirantes was counting a two count in the ring. And then the pinfalls just stopped mattering when everybody was in the ring. And then it started to be over the top rope eliminations. You really have to make this more clear, and there's really no reason to do this in the first place. Just fucking say, it's over-the-top elimination, and there are no pinfalls until the final two. And for the love of God, take Tirantes out of the ring. I understand he has to do his Fabi stuff, but it was just so confusing. Like, why is a referee hanging out if it's over-the-top elimination? I didn't understand that part. I thought that a lot of the work was sloppy. And it sucks for these women, because these women are good. They've been the highlight of some of the recent shows. And they were the highlight, too, back in the Lucha Fighter days. They had really good stuff in that tournament. That's why I thought that this could have been the sleeper match on the show. But it said, I mean, even at the end, like you said, the ending had its moments, but also it was kind of flat after you go through 20-something minutes where a lot of the matches comedy and Rudo refereeing, and then all of a sudden we're supposed to switch into, okay, but now it's serious. Now they're going to do actual submission and actual moves, and it's going to be a dramatic finish. That just didn't click with me. No, I, 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 it just did not hang together. I think it was one of those. I think it's not the only match, but it was one of those matches where it kind of got compromised in the in the attempt to get everyone involved, and I think that was worse for it. Um, I was really disappointed that they didn't do more with Hades, given how well she's looked on the Auto Lucha stuff. That she was in and out so quick, even though they gave her a new outfit, and then the post match angle was Lee Flamer showing up to be the new third with Maravilla and uh, Hydra. I I thought it was noble that they had 80s out there and not Big Mommy or another Technica with Fabi and Shani. I think that means they're probably elevating her a little bit, but it also felt weird because she was such a non-factor before. Yeah, and she's clearly, Lady Flammer is probably stepping in for Kayra, who's pregnant and is going to be out for a while. (laughs) You can... I think you're allowed to say that, but I'm not allowed to say that until she says that. We have different rules. 
I mean, you kind of basically put it out there on Twitter, and it was kind of known. When women disappear, especially lately, as women have been disappearing from wrestling in Mexico, it's been for pregnancy reasons. Even in this match, we had both Cheek Tormenta, Chick Tormenta and Lady Flammer making their first appearances since they became parents. So that's just how it goes, and uh, I'm curious to see where they go, because I know that the idea has been to start doing men versus women matches, and I'm not sure. I want to see Lady Flammer and Lycadra and Lady Maravilla against men. I think that the women's division is good on its own. And if they can just get that Tirantes Fabi feud pushed away out of it, hmm. it could be like a really solid division. The AAA can like say, hey, we have the best women's wrestling going on in Mexico and in most of the world, aside from Japan right now. You know, the other thing is they keep giving Lady Shanae wins. They need their get find a way to get tire in here and just do that tile match so they can move the women's division on a little bit. I have no problem with Tyre as a champion in theory, but if she's not if she's gonna be busy with impact or if she's even moving on to something else after impact, it's like kind of overdue that we they need to move the tile along. I wouldn't take it off her because it went so poorly when they just stripped the tile from her last time. But I, I think a problem with this vision is that they're kind of they're what everyone thinks the heavyweight division is, where the women are actually stuck in place because there's no tile. Where the heavyweight division is just stuck. The, the guys just do whatever because they have plenty else to do. With the women, they just keep on ma- making up random tournaments for them to win, and they could probably use a bit stronger direction than that. And again, it felt like the usual AAA trope where the Technica gets the win and is immediately beat the fuck up. Yeah. But then she's fine, like two minutes later, because she's got to get her trophy and then do an interview later on on the show. So I thought that was a bit of a mess at the end. Very overbooked. I think this could have been simplified. But since it's Triple Mania, I guess we'll give them a pass. Yeah. What do you generally think of about all the in-between segments they did? They had interview segments. We had some music performances. We had the rap performance broken up in three different segments on the show. Did you like having that sort of thing? Or did you want it to be more just match after match? No, this is a major show, so it's going to be match after match after match. This AAA has been known to, that they're more show than actual in-ring, so they provided the show here with the music acts. I thought all the music acts were great, especially Molotov. And the interviews helped out. Barbie returned to do yeah. interviews, I hope. I hope that becomes a regular thing because I feel like there's a place on AAA shows, especially now that they're streaming live, that they're not just TV tapings that we end up seeing on TV spread out later on after production's done. If we're going to be able to watch these live, whether it be on Twitch or YouTube, these are perfect things instead of having Jesus Zuniga in the ring, breaking it up by doing his talking and then going straight to the intros. You could have Barbie out there conducting interviews and it could lead into things. I know it's kind of like a WWE thing to have the female, you know, pretty female announcer doing the interviews with people, but uh, Barbie's actually good at it. And I think she would provide something different because something like this is sorely lacking from AAA and Mexican wrestling in general. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good way to give people a breather between the matches. But sometimes AAA matches can have so much going on to after them that if you do run them back and forth, it all kind of comes together in one big mix in your mind. So I thought those, I thought the interview stuff worked well. I thought the music performance, they played, Molotov played one song, they played it well, and they moved on to the next thing, so it didn't feel like it was a big interruption. And, like, the show overall was under four hours, which is a miracle for Triple Mania in most years. So it's not like we got this much longer show because they were doing a whole bunch of other stuff. They, they, they kind of kept the show going, but broke it up from being just one thing, the same thing, one after another. 
I think Molotov played two songs actually, but they were oh. like quick ones. Okay. See, this is how much this is when I was trying to furiously get done with stuff in the recap, which I did not furiously get done with. But it did not seem like it was like a 15-minute performance, like some music performances are on wrestling shows. It's okay. I'm sure that for their December 20, 25th uh, IP review, <laughs> CMLL will counter by having Mascarano Dos Mil out there for a concert. I can only hope. Um, after that was was the – let me think. Is that the – L.A. Park match next? Park. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It was Psycho Circus versus L.A. Park versus Hio Del L.A. Park versus Blue Demon Jr. This match. I did not have great expectations for this match because... Well, it, before the recap, you, maybe you should mention the storyline that they did on YouTube. Not on TV, on YouTube. No, they did it... I think if we actually look it back far enough, they did it on Conan's podcast, and I was the only person listening to Conan's podcast, where they explained this angle where... Blue, where the idea was that Conan put Blue Demon on the team and the Parks did not want him on the team because they think Demon is a dork, basically. And <laughs> and so they, the Parks said that they would blame Conan if it went wrong. And of course it was going to go wrong. And so they actually, Conan talked about this as something that would be earring. But what happens sometimes to Conan is that he says stuff that he plans to do but has not done yet. So it actually aired about an hour before show before Triple Mania on their social media sub. So if you saw it then, you got to see that ar- that argument that's set up. But if you remember back to March, they were doing this kind of direction before then, but it was also March and now it's December and no one remembers that far back. It was, I mean, because of that setup, you knew it was just going to be like 10, 12 minutes of goofing around and then the parks would break up with Demon and that's exactly what happened. I thought... It match suffered because part of it wanted to be a psycho circus nostalgia act, but they only had really Hiho Del Ali Park who was willing to do that. And then part of it was the breakup, and the breakup is the, the brawl afterwards was good, but the breakup during the match was just like the normal rope breakup stuff. Yeah, the whole breakup was just built on. I mean, they they were on the same team, but they each wanted to get the pinfall, and then they kept getting screwed over when somebody else would go. When Hiko de Park would go for the pin, Damon would pull him off, and vice versa. It was fine. I just thought that this kind of match works better in front of a crowd because the crowd is so into chanting for LA Park, chanting for Damon, chanting for Psycho Clown. And here it just came off as so much walking and brawling and very, very tame weapon stuff with the, the trash cans. Uh, I thought they could have done a different match, but clearly, you know, you're, nobody's going to tell LA Park to do a different style match. And then the clowns go over. I mean, at least at least they went over. The The problem for me here in something like this is we're focusing on putting an L.A. Park and Blue Demon Jr. feud together, which is cool and all. And the Psycho Circus trio act is cool and all. But Psycho Clown is the guy in this company. He is the number one guy. And he felt like such a geek and afterthought in this scenario where he's just walking off in the background as Park and Damon are doing their feud here. I just thought something you could have come up with something a little better for Psycho Clown. Even if it was later in the show, if maybe he could have seconded Kenny or seconded uh, Loretto Kid for the match instead of Vikingo. Just something to focus on him more because I feel like this guy is AAA and he was just so forgotten in this match. And Blue Damon Jr. gets the easiest payday in the world. I, you can't even remember one thing he did in this match. No, I, I I feel like L.A. Park after early brawl disappeared a lot too. I mean, he owed L.A. Park probably got the paid by far the least amount of anyone in that match, and he worked the hardest because 
the match would have fallen apart if he did not take all the cycle circus offense. So it it was it was a way of getting people on the card. But I think a lot of the complaints about the show were more that felt like it was not at a triple mania level. And this felt like a average TV match that was put on triple mania because they had to get these names on triple mania. Well, we did also have the scary moment in this match where murder clown <laughs> went for the somersault dive over the top rope where usually he's got minimum three people waiting to catch him. Yeah. And at least one of them is a giant person to make sure everything's okay. And here we only had LA park and it seemed like both murder clown came up short and L.A. Park didn't exactly want to catch him. Like, it seems like it always seems like a good idea in theory. Oh, yeah, man, don't worry, I'll catch you. I'm a man, I can do it. Yeah. But then when you see a guy that big coming at you, you're like, this was a terrible idea. Yeah, that was, that, that dive was probably worked better as an idea than it did in execution. It was not good. But again, everybody's okay. Everything that you saw on the show, nobody. No, as far as I know, from checking with people, nobody came away seriously injured. So Murder Clown is okay for those of you worried out there. Which will not stop people from going on 40-minute rants later tonight, I'm sure, about needlessly dangerous spots and stuff like that. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of almost needless, we have the Marvel match, which was Arachno... Okay, but wait, before, mm-hmm. before you go into... Well, okay, go ahead. Say who's in the match, but then I have a question. Rockno and Lande Americana versus Terra Pooper and Venoidoi, which I cannot pronounce at all. Um, This was a match. I mean, it was like in the American cell. Hold on, before you go into it, what were you expecting from this match? Because I feel like we might have been expecting different things. I was expecting something more superhero-ish, if it makes any sense. Something a little bit more over-the-top, something that felt different than everything else on the card more, even more than the, the presentation, even more than wrestling itself. And what I got was guys in outfits that actually did not look all that good. Having like a U.S. style tag match. Okay. So we're not that different because I clearly remember when this concept was brought up and I remember the big thing was, oh, Marvel is so hands-on on this, and they want specific guys, they want them to move certain ways, they want it to look good, and, you know, the entrances did not blow me away, the outfits did not blow me away, the match is a whole different thing, the match is separate from everything, in my opinion, because I thought that this was going to be like a subdivision in AAA, where it'll be like, these guys will be kept in their own world, doing their own storylines, always facing each other, and I like that idea. I think if you pick the right guys, you can pull something like this off and it'll come off cool. But it really came off as like, I mean, I've seen better cosplaying of Marvel characters on indie lucha shows. Yeah, I've seen better outfits in Arena Mexico. Yeah, Volador Weekly Mm -hmm. has Marvel outfits that look better. Yeah, so that was surprising. I mean, I believe the Marvel people had to approve those outfits, but I'm surprised that they approved those outfits because they were not that... It just like it, it it missed that like special shine or something that looked good. I mean, uh, Rockno is, is pointing on the Twitter. He was specifically he was dressed down because that was trying to fit a specific character, uh, a point in Spider-Man's past. So I'm not. I, I don't think people like the hoodie outfit as much, but I think and I think it was also probably designed to try to hide his identity more than the other outfits. But putting that one. Putting that one aside, even the like the Thanos outfit or the Venom, I think the Venom outfit was probably the best of the other ones. But the the colors didn't pop on the Captain America that much or, or the Thanos. It was just like 
they were just gear. It was not like special gear. It was just gear, if that makes any sense. So why don't you discuss, do you want to discuss who the characters are first or the match first and then the characters? Yeah, I think people are more interested in the characters than the match, to be honest. So we had the Spider-Man character was Lear Rush. Daga was improbably Captain America. Cage huh. was Terrapur, although every, like I had 12 people in my mentions arguing me that it was Wardlow. And after Cage did a Cage move, I saw people saying, no, that's Hammerstone from MLW, even though Cage is doing his own moves. Because Cage cannot help but do his own moves. And Venonoid was Taurus. And then the woman who came in at the end... Um, her character name is Australia Cosmica. I know that only because she's on the toys, but her, she's actually Lady Flammer under the mask. So I she, don't think so because you you said that, and I said I wasn't watching, so I said I'll ask, yeah. and I asked. But the person I asked said it was Lady Flammer, but I feel like they were exactly in their right state of mind, so maybe <laughs> they didn't understand my question. Because I went back and looked, and there's no tattoos. And Lady Flammer has an entire sleeve, or like a sleeve of tattoos. That's what I could not remember. And this is when I'm looking on a small screen that I think it probably may have cost me. But I couldn't remember she had like a, sleeves on or she had a, her arm uncovered. I think so, Maravilla was the other person people were suggesting it might be in that spot. Who? Mar- Lady Maravilla. I don't know. I th- I thought it was maybe hates because that's why she got eliminated so quickly from the Battle Royals, so she could go get changed. She seemed but, too t- too tall for that. The the character seemed too tall to be eighties. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I just know that there was that if you look at the picture, there's a like a kind of heart ish tattoo on the near the collarbone of whoever it was. So it's definitely not Lady Flammer, but whoever it is, it doesn't really matter. Because, as you noted, like, originally this role was for Kylie Ray. Yeah. And without her there, who knows if they just, maybe they just stuck somebody in there and they're like, just go out there. I mean, it could have been anybody. And then maybe they'll put somebody, some actual person in the role. The, uh, I know that during the week, so I knew who the characters were going to be ahead of time. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying that because when I heard who the characters were... I was very confused because looking at that combination, it just, it didn't strike me as a combination that was going to work as guys doing something special. And I thought that you kind of have to be special. At least one of the characters has to be some sort of crazy flyer to stand out. And you mean, you're following guys like Phoenix, Mysticies, Octagon, Vikingo ended up coming back. And then you send out, you know, Taurus to base for Leo Rush, it's okay, but Leo Rush is not a high flyer like a lot of the guys in AAA are. So that casting I didn't really understand. I didn't really understand Daga as Captain America, not only because Daga doesn't make sense as Captain America, but Daga was very clearly trying not to wrestle like Daga. Yeah, of, of all the guys, Daga was doing the best at not try, it's trying to hide his identity. So I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, definitely give him credit mm-hmm. for that, but, you know, Daga wrestling normally is not exactly the most exciting thing in the world. So now imagine Daga trying not to wrestle the way he normally does. I mean, it doesn't really work. Uh, Cage, I thought, was super obvious, and you should have kind of made fun of people because Cage wasn't exactly hiding where he was on his social media. Uh, I mean, Taurus is Taurus. Taurus cannot hide himself. He's the fucking best base in the world, and he was putting on a clinic here, so... Everybody should have figured that out. And on my timeline, I saw a ton of people figured it out. And then you had... Uh, who am I missing? 
you're missing uh one guy Taurus, Daga, Cage, and... You, you got all of them. Oh, no, I got all of them, yeah. <laughs> so, the, I know that during the practice run during the week, they had other guys who were working out the matches. I guess as backup plans, just in case some other guys didn't show up. Or just in case, you know, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe somebody misses their flight and you need someone else in there. But, I don't know, I thought the match was really nothing special. I was actually bored lots of times during it. I didn't think Leo Rush was spectacular. I'm not a huge Leo Rush fan in the first place, but I didn't think he stood out in any way in this match. And I'm I'm t- not entirely sure what they were going for because I thought that Terra Purpura, I mean, he used a low blow near the finish, which, I mean, I guess, but he wasn't working Rudo the rest of the match. And it's kind of humorous when you see something like that because that's always been something that's been a knock on Cage throughout his career that he's this big fucking monster who's amazing at throwing guys around and working a certain way. But all the guy wants to do is do his high flying to show off to people that he can do it. And here in this match, it's like, you're supposed to be this big, bad, powerful Rudo, and you don't wrestle like it at all, but then at one point in the match, you're like, okay, whatever, I'll be a Rudo, and you low blow the guy. I just, that was a big disconnect for me, personally. I liked the Lear Rush tour stuff more than you did. I, I thought that was more and more favorite parts of the match. But I think overall, for something that was trying to present itself as superheroes, the guys who felt like superheroes were like in the second match. That was the superhero wrestling I was expecting with guys flying all over the ring, yeah. doing nonstop big moves. This was this could not really compete with that. I, I think the guys in the second match had better outfits too. It's like I think if this got the characters over to a different audience and Marvel can merchandise it, then you know the that's oh victory thing but i don't know they did not feel like i guess if you were already interested in the characters it gave them some legitimacy to see them in the ring but if you're a person who has not bought the merchandise or whatever read whatever comic books that they were the announcers were referring to like we all knew what they were talking about before during the match then we would have then i don't think there's anything here that makes you that interested in them what was the name of the girl that came out afterwards? It is La Oh, it's the Cosmic Star. But she's the she's Captain Marvel in the... Oh, right. Because um, I, I was talking to our friend Alan, and he said, so who was Captain Marvel? <laughs> and I said, oh, that was Daga. And he goes, no, that was Captain America. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, so who the fuck is Captain Marvel? So clearly, I'm not a comic book person. You have not gone to a lot of movies in the last few years. I do not go to movies, that is true. <laughs> yeah. But we do actually have a question, from two questions from Alex as relates to this. Yeah. So I'll ask them and you can answer. Yeah. Do you think AAA and Marvel will try to expand their roster by adding more superhero-based luchadors? And what role do you think these characters will play in AAA going forward? Okay, we also have a question in the chat too that I'll get to in a second. Um, Captain, I, I believe that they will... I, there originally was talk about having six people, so I expect that we'll have at least one woman to balance out Captain Marvel. I don't know. I know they have a lot more designs for characters that are in merchandise that we haven't seen, so I think the idea is that we're going to see a lot more. I think it just depends on how legs, how, many, how long legs this have. I believe, I think these guys will be kept separate from everyone for the next, for the first few shows that happens, and then it'll depend on... I, I, they'll probably be integrated into the the main roster after that, but whether they'll be 
pushed or treated seriously depends on how much it's going to get over in the next couple of times they do it. And I'm skeptical about this. I know in the in the chat we had someone asking if this would be a one-off of Lear Rush. And I believe the idea is these people will play these characters for as long as these characters exist, that there may even be contracts and those sort of things to keep those people around to play them, which is interesting because Leo Rush in particular tweeted about how he was going from not winked at wrestling at this match before wrestling at this tape Super J Cup match. He's got a lot of stuff going on. And so, well, I can see why you would want him for this role. He's probably a hard guy to get dates on right now. So it's an interesting they went with him for that reason. Everything when it comes to AAA is TBD, to be determined. So we'll see. Uh, so honest... what percentage chance do you think we will see a Marvel match on next year's Triple Mania? Well, as I was just about to say, I mean, I said we would be, I wanted to be positive on this podcast, so I don't want to bring up negativity. <laughs> But I think a lot of whatever happens with this lawsuit will determine where this Marvel thing goes. If this lawsuit's a real big deal, then we may actually have just seen a one and done, and they may never appear again. Uh, if the lawsuit's not as big of a deal as we're as it seems to be right now, then yeah, I do think they'll, like you said, they'll be kept separate. And where it goes, I don't know. I know that after tonight, I do not have great expectations for it. But listen. Something happens, and if you you can always fix it when you look at it and see what worked and what didn't work. So I think the second presentation is more important than the first presentation. Yeah, I mean, the f- first episode of Lucha Underground, not that that was some great success either. They, they changed a lot from the first to the 10th episode when they, as time went on, they figured it out. Maybe they will do the same here. I'm just, I just feel like this is going to be, the presentation here came off as something that they intended to be a big deal, but this is something where I don't feel like I don't feel confident that we'll be seeing it for a long term in AAA. Yep, I mean, we've seen you know this is just how AAA works. They toss out ideas, they go away. Whatever happened to Mad? Where's Mad? And we were hearing Mad was going to be like this whole big deal to revolutionize everything. So yeah. And what about you know the rosters against each other? AAA always has ideas. I think I think this can work. And I think also the merchandising will have a lot to do with it because this definitely seems like something that's all about making money uh, outside wrestling on selling stuff and hopefully getting a crossover. If there's no crossover and the Marvel audience, for whatever reason, isn't interested, although you were telling me that this is going to work. I thought it, I saw people who I don't normally see tweet about wrestling at all on my like normal timelines tweeting about the Marvel show because they sh- – showed up. So I think there are people who probably sampled the show because of the Marvel stuff, but I don't know if it's going to I don't know if it was enough for them to keep them around. Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm not in the Marvel world. I did see a couple comments when I was searching uh, Instagram for Triple Mania stuff. There were uh, people who collect those Funkos, who yeah. are wrestling fans. They're just Funko people that happen to be watching that match and taking screen caps of the Marvel thing. So I don't know what that means. Very small sample size, but I'm just pointing it out. From there, we got to the last, the two singles matches, Kenny Omega versus the Lido Kid for the AAA World Mega Championship. Um, that I keep calling the Heavyweight Championship, even though it's not a heavyweight, they never call it the Heavyweight Championship. Um, I thought this was exactly the match I thought it was going to be with Laredo doing so much to keep up with Omega, and I, I was they and after dimension with uh, Laredo going after Omega's leg late and getting a few near endings off that. Um, 
but losing in the end, like I also expected. Um, I, I don't want to say like this is like it, it was bad because I expected this is what I was hoping for the match, and I think I was very happy with how it turned out. Spectacular match. I gotta, I gotta think it's the Mexican match of the year. Nothing else comes to mind. I thought it was either equal to or better than both the high-end CML anniversary matches with Titan Soberano and Volador and Templario. Would you put it ahead of Omega versus Dragon Lee from last year? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I wasn't as high on Omega versus Dragon Lee as other people were. How about Omega versus Phoenix? I'd have to rewatch Omega Phoenix. It's been a while. And also, it's unfair because they had a crowd. And without a crowd, I think, my personal taste at least, without a crowd, wrestling loses a lot. And this was a rare match where even without a crowd, they managed to suck me in and put a little drama into it. Like when you mentioned working the leg, that's definitely something that if Kenny's not in this match, if it's like Loretto versus Psycho Cloud or whatever, I don't think we see that leg work. I think that was definitely a Kenny thing that he tossed in there because he's a really good worker. Breaking news there. And he knew that it would add to this match, and that's the kind of thing you really have to do in an empty arena setting. That's the stuff that's going to get people sucked in there. Uh, I thought the interference was kind of unnecessary, but I guess they just did it to set up the double dive off the stage or whatever you call it with Vikingo and and uh, Loretto, which was funny because the way that Vikingo set up that dive, he was kind of acting like Spider-Man, even though we just saw Spider-Man, but whatever. And Nakazawa <laughs> completely whiffing on catching Kenny. Somebody wrote me a message actually and said that uh, if you slow it down and watch, you can see that in English, immediately, Nakazawa says in broken English, I'm so sorry, Kenny. Because <laughs> that was brutal, dude. Like, yeah. what the fuck? You have one fucking job, and he just watches his buddy crash down there. Terrible. I, I really, He had two jobs. He also tripped up a little radio at the end, and I realized I botched including that in my recap now that we're talking about it. So I feel he didn't trip him. Didn't, didn't Loretto slap him away? I feel like he tripped him. I feel like he got his foot, but he 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 was responsible for Laredo getting caught to this finish there at the end. Okay, so the first time maybe Laredo slapped him away, but there was definitely one time where he missed him because he went for it. Laredo slapped him away, and then Laredo kid like, oh no, you're right, yeah, yeah. Laredo kid slapped him away, but then Kenny cut him off, so it was part of the finish, which was a fucking sick as shit finish, like yeah. My goodness, when he set up for that, I was like, oh, he's going to drum on the turnbuckle. It's going to be disgusting. And the usual Loretto kid disgusting bump that he takes and we think he's a crazy man. And instead, he ended up taking it, jumping backwards into the fucking ring. Like, unbelievable. Never would have thought that 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 move was going to be done. Absolutely insane. Loretto kid, you know, I'm so, I'm both happy and sad for him. I'm happy he got this moment. I'm happy he delivered in the moment. But I'm also sad that it was an empty arena and there wasn't enough time to tell his story because he's got one of the best stories. I mean, best is the wrong word. Excuse me. He's got one of the most emotional stories that you could really pull on people's heartstrings to tell it. So I would love to see that story told somewhere on a large scale where it can be tied into a bigger match. I would not be opposed to seeing a rematch between these two whatsoever. This is like, it's something AAA really does not do well with, with video packages of telling stories. But if you put this match 
in an AEW ring, and they did a 90-second feature of Laredo beforehand. They could tell a really great story. And honestly, if you put this match in a WWE ring, they could also tell a big story. I, I'm very happy because Laredo got to have the match that I'm sure he wanted to have. It's disappointing he didn't get have in front of no fans, but it felt like there were fans there. It felt that kind of scale. Um, I'm also very sad that I'm, I'm mildly scared that this is the last Lurito kid big match we'll see because WB will sign him, will call him tomorrow, and he'll just jump at the offer. But if he gets that kind of offer, he absolutely, <laughs> that, he absolutely deserves reason, it. <laughs> that was the reason that for sure that you knew Loretta wasn't winning yeah. because if Loretto kid has no pen to paper anywhere and he goes over Omega, you can be sure WWE is on the phone before he even gets backstage because they would want to brag about, we signed a guy who just beat Kenny. Yeah. Uh, they may sign a guy who just lost to Kenny anyways, just to make sure he doesn't go anywhere. But it's it definitely, the only way he could have won is if we, if Dorian also posted like five minutes later on Twitter, they had signed Loretto to a three year deal at the same time. And I don't think that was happening. So um, it, it did not work out for him, but he got, this was like, Lurio has been the best wrestler in Mexico all year. And it's, it's, Tough to say because there's not been all that much wrestling this year that's been good in Mexico. But he's been this good with all sorts of opponents, and it's really good to see him get that opportunity against someone that people outside the AAA bubble actually see as important and went out their way to watch. And maybe they'll go back and see all the other good stuff he's had. Yep. I think uh, if you didn't know who Loretto Kid was before this, you definitely know now. And it seemed like there were a lot of people watching this show. Uh, whether it be just for Kenny or whether it be because people are starved for any kind of big atmosphere wrestling these days, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, Loretto Kid delivered. I think we'll probably get news on him soon. I can't imagine his, he just continues traveling to MLW to lose pointless matches for no reason, which still boggles the mind. Like people on, in the thread when we were talking about how great Loretto is and I was hinting that maybe he'll end up going somewhere major, people actually responded saying MLW. And I'm like, guys, Loretto Kid has had something like eight to ten matches in MLW, and there's no way you guys even remember a single one of them. But a misusage of a great talent. It's actually because I was looking up over the last one. It's five matches, but he's lost every single match he's been in. It's the Sammy Guerrero record, and we've seen how it worked out for Sammy Guerrero when he found someplace else to go. So... Hopefully it'll work out the same way for Delirio, no matter where he goes. I would love to see him. I would love to see this be on AEW's radar and him get brought there for a few appearances, like seem like what's going to happen last year. But I don't know that's going to be the case either. Well, we do have a question as relates to all this. First of all, it's like a well, I'll combine the two questions. But basically, number one, should we take seriously? Uh, Kenny challenging Vikingo afterwards in front of the press? And two, are you excited if that match actually happens, and where would you prefer it? In Mexico or in AEW? Well, second part, I would absolutely be in Mexico because they'll get to go as long as they want. I think for Vikingo's career, I, I mean, obviously it would be a big milestone if we got Vikingo in the U.S. And everyone who has watched Vikingo has wanted to see the opportunity to have in the U.S. But if Vikingo's challenged for the AAA title, I want that to happen in front of a whole bunch of fans in Mexico. So I don't I don't know if it's I, I feel like it's somewhat Omega shooting his own challenge and shooting his own angle. But also 
in Triple A, it feels like Omega gets to choose his own challenges and choose his own angles, and he gets to face those oh. guys. So yeah. that may actually be happening. There's no other obvious challenger except Psycho Clown, and I think even though I have confidence that Psycho Clown could pull off that match, I'm not sure Kenny Omega has that confidence at this point, or I don't know that Psycho Clown has that rep that people believe him at that point, and Psycho Clown has to be the final boss, too. Psycho Clown, you have to save him for the guy who's actually going to win because he should be the he should be the guy. If you're not going to go with Florida and you're not going to go with Phoenix, you have to go with Psycho Clown. So there's really like if you're, I, I would be enjoy uh, a Kenny Omega versus Taurus match, but if he's doing the Marvel stuff, he may not be available for that. So I guess if you're looking at logically, it should be Vikingo, but I, I'm not 100 percent sure that's the case. Oh, and also apparently Daga was challenging Omega on Twitter too, but. No. Yeah, but wasn't everybody, including Phoenix, openly laughing at him? Yes. Daga, Daga just tweets stuff that every time I want to dunk on him and, or, and make fun of him, but it's Daga. It seems like punching down. You don't want to be rude to the man. The man's just trying to live his life and pretend to be a heel champion, and it, you just have to let him be. It's a very weird situation, and he's another guy who may end up just getting signed up by presumably WWE, but who knows? Could be AEW. Could be... Somebody else, who knows? But that's another guy that AAA seems to have their titles on all the wrong people right now. <laughs> no, it, it, wrong, I'm sorry, wrong, by wrong people, I just mean the, people who, for whatever reason, one day could just not return, and then you have title vacant. They they have a lot of inaccessible people. Let's put it that way. People they have trouble getting on AAA shows for one reason or another. But because they're talented, they're, they're people worthy of having champions championships generally. But they're also people who have other options, and AAA is not always their first option. Yeah, I mean, it's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. So two guys who do not have many other options, I would say, are Chessman Pagano. Because this is a main event that I don't think could happen in any other promotion. I, I know, like, there are Japanese promotions that do crazy stuff too, but I think this particular crazy feels like it belongs solely to AAA. I mean, GCW could pull it off, but GCW would never have this type of large scale to do it on. No, uh, it, it wouldn't have the. It wouldn't feel as big. It would feel as messy, but not just like the scale that of you know having a giant set for Pagano to drop Chessman onto a pro- hopefully crash pad, probably a crash pad on, on a truck because <laughs> they they bounced high. But besides that, I wouldn't count on those guys who actually think to put a crash pad. Considering the astounding other things, I mean this match peaked when they did the, the, the swan dive off the top rope to a table and then got up and went to another corner and went fell straight off of that off to a table too. They just couldn't do it once. You had to do the same crazy thing twice in a row. This was just like, it was out of the wor- this world in many different ways. If there are two tables, you've got to go through them both. That's Pagano logic. So, <laughs> you've got to do them back to back and then just go in the ring and do some more spots like it didn't even happen. Sure, why not? I saw people online or on Twitter saying that, oh, uh, Pagano's doing the match of his life, and this is like, you know, he's going above and beyond for Triple Mania, and I just had to point out that, no, not really. Uh, Pagano is the same guy who, a day before, you know, he's got a contract, and he works for Triple A. They're paying him. But a day before, for some reason, he decided to flip onto his own head on a tiny indie show, and then he ended up not being able to work the next day on the AAA show. Like, this guy is not of a sane mind. He just does whatever he wants, 
whether it's influenced by other things or whatever. I mean, he's just, he's his own person, and he definitely proved it tonight. There was some stuff I was actually proud of him for. Like when he did the flip dive onto the ladder, he landed as safely as possible. I was, I was amazed because that's the kind of spot where I'm like, okay, this is where he kills himself. So, and, uh, did he b- get start bleeding before he hit that dive? Because I thought maybe the ladder cut him open, but I saw other people might have said it did earlier. No, no, no. He bladed it after he landed on the ladder. That's when he bladed himself. Okay. Because, uh, well, I mean. Not to expose all the secrets or whatever, but Maravia, or yeah, was it Maravia was with him? No, Shani was with him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Shani was there to pass him the blade. That's why she was right there. Like you could see them switching off. But uh, and then Chessman, Chessman looked great. When I didn't see when he bled, but he was opened up great. And it, you know, people were making fun of how he looks like Wolfpack Sting, but then he looked amazing when his face was still red, except it was blood <laughs> instead of face paint. So. Yeah. Good for him for figuring out the way to get people to stop making fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> they also should make fun of him because he's a crazy person who was just doing, was just as insane as Pagano in this match. Um, well, you knew he, he was going to. I mean, he. Yeah. If people remember, I mean, did Chessman was the Pagano many years ago. He was the one who would get thrown off the cages through tables. Remember, there was one Triple Mania where they didn't get the lights up in time, so he basically got thrown off the top of the cage by Vampiro through four tables in complete darkness. And they never got a good angle of it. It was, it, And he did. he's done moonsaults off the top of cages. Yeah. D- doing the dive into the batch of chairs was just like a normal thing for him. So this, oh, yeah. was, this was exactly the match that... These guys wanted to have. These guys probably would have had on their own if it wasn't Triple Mania, but they got to go all out on like some random show on Arena San Juan on a Saturday night. And this is also the match that AAA exactly wanted them to have. I think everyone must have just been thrilled. If anything, I thought that they... I know why they did it, because they probably thought that the match would need it, and they probably thought that it would add a little excitement or whatever, but the run-ins were... I didn't need the run-ins. Like, no. There was no reason for Octagon and Mrs. to be... I mean, they didn't take away from it. It's not like it negatively affected it. But I just thought that these guys were doing a good enough job to where that was just, like, a, a little too much on top. But again, I mean, it didn't take away from anything, so it's fine. No. I, it, it, it was a little bit unnecessary, I, but I, they just wanted... I, I, it worked for me because, like, having Pagano do his finish and then that not being the end of the match... Felt like, oh, this is a tell that he's actually going to lose the match. So it was, a, it was shocking. It was a little bit surprised to me when he, when he got the pin at the end. So I was not expecting that. So, but I, I'm not sure if that was the intention of it. I think they just wanted to give those guys a breather and do more stuff in there. I will say that it is interesting that it wasn't Psycho Clown because that definitely seems like a Psycho Clown spot, especially considering it's not like he got much shine in his match. So I, I'm a little curious about that decision yeah i i guess they just wanted to keep the mercenaries and do that days together in the chat Raphael asked why lady shani was with pagano it's just they they use shani to make sure people know who's supposed to be cheered in the match because pagano has been the technico for quite some time but also he doesn't really wrestle like a technico in any particular way he's just the guy that people seem to gravitate more towards and to get more, I mean, it gets more heat when you're power super bombing the woman <laughs> yeah. off the top rope. When it's three guys teaming up to super bomb a woman off the top rope. So, which was actually also funny because as uh, Alfredo Sparza pointed out online, 
that uh, Tejano, uh, Lady Shani is with Supernova, who is Tejano's brother. So that makes her his step something. No, the, right? sister no, in law. Sister in law. Yeah, no stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be an awkward Christmas, except they're not supposed to be getting together for Christmas. So, but <laughs> um, I, I thought the big spot the end worked pretty well. Go ahead. Did the results surprise you? Yeah, the results surprised me. I, I had talked myself into that Pagano is like half bald most of the time. So right. even though even though most of the times you expect that the Technico is going to beat the 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 Rudo near the end of his run, um, I thought I talked myself into that Pagano was going to lose this. Well, I went crazier than you. I talked myself into big, giant choreographed stage bump or some crazy thing where they both jump off a high platform. And they both are knocked out, and they both get shaved. Yeah, they've done that. Before. They've done that. They did that draw with Macias and Vampiro, and I can see them doing the same thing here too. I was also. They really feel like they didn't emphasize that it was going to be a false count anywhere match. Once it started to do the pinfalls at the end, I remember them bringing yeah. bringing up at the first press conference they had, but they had not oh. bring it up lately all that much. So I mean, I, they need. They probably all along planned to do it because that was the only way they were going to get the finish in the truck, but. And I had no problem with it. It was just like something I was not expecting until it started happening. Oh, I was saying, I chalked it up. when I The first time I noticed it was when they were on the floor and then Tirod discounted 1-2 after a spot. And I was like, what the fuck is he doing? But then I'm, I just attributed that to just... When you're watching AAA, you have to relax all the rules. I think Hugo said it earlier in the show when he was trying to explain how there are no tags. And I forget the exact line he used, but he was basically, once you sign the contract... You just have to go in there and do whatever. So that's basically the mindset. You have to go in with AAA. Yeah. When I wrote my notes for the sh- for uh, the people who are going to commentate the show who never end up commentating the show, the rules for disqualifications are mass pulls and fouls, and even then, maybe not so much. That's just the AAA way. Or... Phoenix's mask came off, I think, during the match at one point. Yeah, people were talking about that a lot. But again, small screen, I barely got to see it. I, but... You didn't see anything. It's just during a spot. First, they ripped at his mask. And then when they did a tag spot, his mask actually fell off. And then Hugo started screaming that his mask is off, his mask is off. <laughs> and Jose Manuel just casually moved on so that they wouldn't have to explain why it wasn't a DQ. Yeah. It, it, that, would, a, would a CMLL match, would a CMLL referee have stopped the match right there, Cubs? The CMLL ma- referee would have stopped the match. And a, a CMLL referee would have also accidentally given Laredo Kid the, the win at some point during that title match. Oh, for sure. 100%. <laughs> and you mentioned... So Alan asked on Twitter if you want to go through the what what kind of plans we had for the show tonight. So originally, originally when we thought it still might be on Twitch, the idea was going to be doing a co-stream Twitch um, commentary over the top. But once they turned into a YouTube and Facebook thing, I thought the rules were going – the rules – you know – my experience with um, the other wrestling cup, the CNL, have not been very good lately when I've tried to restream stuff on my own, and my computer to restream stuff is not working too well. So I thought, as soon as they went to YouTube, it's like, I can't do this anymore. It's going to mess up. And then the post-wrestling thing came up, too. And so I was going to spend my time trying to write that instead of doing commentary during the show, only to find out that Jack Evans was doing live stuff on Twitch. I saw other people doing stuff on Twitch. I know Lucha Central had to watch along stuff that we kind of thought about doing, but we thought it would just be better just doing Twitter instead of being from a microphone when people watching the show on their screen. Um, I hope it worked out for them. But yeah, we. I mean, the issue with English commentary is every year it's people who 
show up to just do one show a year and do not pay get, pay attention to the promotion otherwise. And the impression I had, I'm not sure if you want to agree or disagree with this, was the people being talked about doing doing English commentary were not going to be. We're either going to be um, Bernardo and it Bernardo and Adrian who try hard, know the product, but just aren't really where they need to be at English, English speakers to pull off a Triple Mania show. It's my opinion. They may feel differently. Or they were going to be outsiders who had not watched a Triple A show to that point in the year. And it's kind of We've both talked about how frustrated we were with that sort of commentary, even though like there's 40 people watching now and I'm happy for all 40 people. I don't think we've got like a huge, much more if we're doing co-streaming, but we will have at least given people an option. And we've said, well, if you want to watch decent English commentary, we, we would make sure that something like that was going to be there. But because they moved to YouTube and I thought that was going to be a non-starter, I didn't even bring it up. So we ended up doing this instead. Are you happy we didn't spend four hours talking about the show? I mean, it would have been fun to do commentary. I mean, I want to do commentary. I've suggested it to AAA before that I'd help out in any way if they wanted me to, just because I feel like it's sorely lacking. You have, We have our friend Dan who watches the streams, and he wants to watch it in English, but it's so painful for him because, like you said, the English of the Masucha guys is just not up to par. There's the, they're not doing anything wrong, aside from the fact that it'd be like if me and you decided to do a show and, and cover it in Spanish. I mean, our Spanish isn't good enough. We would we would be able to get the basic things across, I think. But yeah. we would not be able to do even half as the job that they do on the English, and they're not even doing a great job as it is. And the other option, like you said, is to get people who don't follow the product. And honestly, I don't see people who are being considered for this role that show any interest in picking up AAA. If asked, they'll do it. But I'd like to see the initiative on their own to start following AAA, asking questions, seeing that they're watching the show, instead of just, oh, well, I'm going to do commentary on that show because Conan asked me, and when the time comes, I'll ask you a couple questions the week leading up to the show, and then I'll go do it. To me, that's not knowing your stuff. Like, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but when Dave Meltzer posed the question on Twitter today, trying to explain the whole Chessman thing, I responded explaining it to him. That's the kind of thing you want out of people who are going to be doing commentary and announcing AAA stuff. That's the thing people shouldn't know. But I will say that I'm very happy. You mentioned his name, uh, you know, and I'm not not happy about it five minutes ago. But I am happy that Vampiro had nothing to do with this show because it's nice to go through a triple mania where the show is over and we're not coming out of it with everybody just waiting for Matthew to upload his latest botchamania covering what Vampiro did that overshadow can you imagine Vampiro overshadowing and he would have yeah. that Omega versus Kenny Matt Omega versus Loretto match. He would he I think he would have actually been worse on the main event. But it, it's hard to tell. Um No, yeah. he would have he would have you know where the announcers were sitting? He would have gotten up just like Lucha Underground style and <laughs> ran to the ring and done a whole lap around clapping for these guys as the match was going on. Yeah. Guaranteed. He would have the we haven't mentioned this, but the the guitar shot in Hugo was inexplicable. It was just like no, whatever. I explain it. Okay, it was just like some sort of attempt to do a viral moment or something. What do you think? Just Conan popping the boys in the back because they find Hugo hilarious and they wanted to. It's just like a. It's for them basically. It wasn't for the viewers. Mm. It was just let's see Hugo fall down, bleed, and sell. And 
uh, I don't know if you've seen already, but the, the various stills of Hugo selling has been turned into a bunch of memes already on Facebook. So by the time you wake up tomorrow, I'm sure it'll be everywhere. Yeah. I know it just felt like it felt so out of place. And I think we've had a lot more of those moments with Vampiro there, but yeah, I mean, I think the one part where you and I differ is that if you could do something with AAA to do an announcing full time, you would do a great job of it. And also it's something you'd want to do where I'm just like, I'm very much more preferred to be on the other side of things. If that makes sense, not like the CML side, but like outside, not working for anybody, but I would be very happy if you were doing it and someone, or if like, I, I understand why AAA hasn't really, or at least in my head, I have this belief that AAA hasn't really pursued the English language stuff this year because they've got, they're just trying to keep by because it's been a really bad year, but it's like, it seems like someone could probably work their way into doing something for them if they took an interest doing stuff in English. I mean, I think they're not always fans of myself, but they appreciate that there's someone in English doing stuff in text. And if the, if there were someone doing it uncritically in AAA and doing like videos on the shows and like showing some sort of professionalism with doing them and knowledge of the product, I, they'd probably just glow them onto that person with no time and try to adopt them as their own English language language person because I think they they're not looking too far. They want an easy solution, but they I think you're probably just going to be looking over for whoever's friends of friends unless you you would put someone would put themselves out there in a big way where they have to be picked. If that makes any sense? Oh, it does. And again, like I understand. I you know I, I'm I can recommend myself a million times to do the commentary thing, but I do understand why they would look at someone like me and say no, even though I have all the information. You know they would look at me and be like, "Can we trust this guy to be doing commentary on our show? Because if something sucks, he's going to call it out and say it sucks." And my response to that would obviously be, "I'm not a fucking moron. I understand that if I'm doing the job as commentary, I'm not there to shit all over the product. You know, if you want that, you know, you have a guy like Vampiro who will do that." You know, but I I think that the the baseline for this is someone like a uh, Chris Charlton or a Larry Dallas or whatever guys who just they have the information or not not Chris, not Larry Dallas what's the other one J J J Church J Church right like a J Church Chris Charlton where you just want guys on the broadcast if they, even if they're not doing color they're just there to fill in the gaps and explain the stories and let the guys do the color example, last year they had uh, Joe Dombrowski, right? Yes. He was doing the, the Triple Media commentary, and he's a professional announcer, knows what he's doing, but doesn't know shit about anything going on in AAA, which is fine. I mean, that that's why you need somebody else beside him who knows their shit and can fill in all the in-between. That's the role that I think AAA should be searching for if they're going to do the expansion and try to focus on English commentary. Yeah, I, 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 but it just doesn't seem like a high priority for them. So it's feels like it's something I spend a lot of time talking about that I think means it's like something that's just like an afterthought to them. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the same thing as the Mas Lucha thing that we went through this week where we were trying to, both of us were trying to help them out. They listen to you and not me, which is fine. But we're offering them like the most basic things you can do to help your service in English. And, like, in some cases, me and you are doing it for free for them. And they still turn it down. 
And whereas AAA, it's basically the same thing. Like, even if we would have done the commentary ourselves and done a good job with it, it's not like Triple H would have acknowledged or Triple H. It's not like AAA would have acknowledged it either way, right? So we were just doing it for ourselves, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, but so I, I don't want to distract that from the show. The show was really good. I think the, the show I, was great. I think it's. I would have to think back, but I think it's may have been the last best Triple Mania in the last few years, just because. Even though the middle matches were not that good, the, there was not like a moment where the show felt like it died. It was just, it was, and the moment, the peaks were higher than the live show's peaks. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, uh, I would call it a great show. I would go with the best match, obviously, Loretto Kid versus Kenny Omega. Uh, you probably want to watch the main event too. And I am generally curious if people were I mean it's so tough because we're first of all we're at the end of the year and usually AAA takes a break at the end of the year but also we're in the middle of a pandemic so who the fuck knows when they'll be able to run again well, we I'm actually, curious if there'll be any momentum coming off the show We uh, technically we actually do know when they're going to run again AAA they did not announce on the broadcast I think they're just I think that tells you that they're just loaning out wrestlers to a pro show but there's going to be a music and wrestling show I believe on 1227, I think it's a Sunday after Christmas. I will have this in the news update and I'll have it more clear there. But it was announced late yesterday that they're going to have about four matches between music performances on a Ticketmaster live show. About, Where is this? This is Mexico City, I guess. I don't, no location was said, which is suspicious. But um, this is... Uh, Super Luchas has a poster, uh, but it's probably buried between 500 things right now. But it's like Octagon versus Tejano is the biggest match on the show, just to give you an idea of the scale. So it's four matches. It's completely inconsequential, but if you want a little bit more AAA for about like $7, you'll have the option. You'll have the same restrictions as the Conseco Ticketmaster live shows, where it's going to be um, just live only, which is a problem for most people. But they will have a little bit more stuff. I think AAA hasn't mentioned it all again. It tells me that they are just, that some other promoter has just asked them for the wrestlers for a show. And, and I'm not sure what kind of effort you're going to get. But I found that at least a sign that AAA may exist again, because in the big scale of things, we have no idea when they're running another taping again. They may be able to run in Southern Mexico at some point in the next few months, because it looks like, a few of those states are getting better, but who knows how long it's going to last. We've seen things go up and down and go up again and then down again. I guess I don't know what direction I'm going at this point, but you get the idea. Um, they they did not – they don't usually don't announce the next show, but they definitely did announce one here. It may be – like I don't know. I hope that we're halfway through this, but I'm not even sure that we're halfway through getting back to normal at this point. Yeah, things are bad in Mexico, and a lot of – a lot of indie shows are getting canceled lately. I saw a couple more canceled today, so I'm not even sure if the Christmas shows are going to end up happening that we've seen listed already. It seems like the only thing that's safe to run is IWRG because they are the healthiest place in the world, apparently, and nobody ever gets COVID going there. Yeah, that's I, eventually there's probably going to be a really bad story coming out from that. I'm not looking forward to that because they're it, it's clear they're just ignoring every rule and getting to do what they want and either. And you just hope it works out. Like everything else, you hope it works out. But It is surprising if they have some sort of special exception, why AAA wouldn't have basically paid a fee to just run shows there. I, I mean, they, have, they have an allegiance with them. Yeah, but I, I think they're afraid that, that 
IWG is under the radar and AAA is going to be over the radar and it's going to get shut down. They did you you notice this too on the on the, some of the pre tapes they had from the Kapan. So they've been in that arena taping stuff, but they so they but they must not feel safe enough that they can put people in there without trouble coming. Yep. Is there anything else you got left about AAA you want to say? No, not really. I just thought uh, everybody should be proud of their performances tonight. The production team should be happy. We didn't even mention it, but there were some audio issues at the start of the show that were cleared up pretty fast. I know everybody was quick to be like, oh, here we go. It's Triple Mania again. Here come all the technical problems. But I didn't experience a single issue. Well, the audio kind of started to lag towards the end of the show, but it was nothing that made me hate. Like, it was nothing that interfered with me watching, but the audio was like half a second off. Yeah, they got off their slow start, too, with the YouTube thing not working right away. But they also had a whole bunch of pre- pre-tape features at the beginning. And I think that was a smart design because there's usually problems early and they had plenty of time to to fix them before the matches actually start. So um, more of that in the future, I guess. Uh, and the- we, we, want, we want to extend an open invitation, of course, to Dorian Rolda, <laughs> if he can give... 15 hours to Maslucha. Maybe he can give like half an hour to us to talk about AAA and answer some questions. Yeah, we're, ta- related. we're talking about how AAA, we don't know when the next AAA show is. We don't know when our next podcast is. So maybe we can make those two things work together and, and get the next podcast by getting Dorian on it. That'll be a fun time. I'm sure there are issues I'll like to ask him that legally he'll be unable to answer, but I will be very interested in asking anyways. I... <laughs> the other only thing I wrote down that I wanted to mention was, I don't know how accurate this is, because I, was, I wasn't watching, obviously, but according to Cult, A-A-M-S on Twitter, they, uh, or Cult Icon on Twitter, excuse me, he was noting that uh, 900,000, now, now I lost the number, but do you uh, see how many people he said, are watching across YouTube and Facebook? He said it was over 100,000 between the two. Which that's good, right? That's I mean the Omega on Impact show did like fifty thousand on Twitch. This was a lot bigger number, but then it should be a bigger number because it was YouTube and Facebook, and those sites are going to get a lot more views. Um, but it's also you know hundred thousand in the grand scheme of things doesn't feel like that much, but you know it's also a hundred thousand plus how many people are watching on Space and how many people are going to watch the highlights on Azteca or already did. And so I think overall it's going to be a pretty big viewership. I really just did, it's tough to put it to a context because because it's a, a neutral environment. I think last year's Triple Mania, I will have to look this up, did around thirty thousand on Twitch, which I think says a lot more about the difference between being on Twitch and being on YouTube and Facebook than the show itself. Did you have any closing thoughts? You know, uh, one thing that came up on Twitter that people have asked me about. Did you feel like Lurio Kid kicked out way too soon from the finish uh, from Omega? Because I see some people who were upset that he kicked out like at 3.1 or something, and I didn't notice anything. I didn't know. I noticed. I just noticed the way that the pin was being angled. Once they hit three, then they basically rolled out of the pin. But it didn't seem like a kick out. It just seemed like they lost their balance during the during the way the pin was set up. Okay. I don't think there were some people. I, I yeah, I did. Uh, somebody linked to a Reddit post or something where somebody was like, "Oh, he was like Hulk Hogan, and he he tried to save face by kicking out at the finish." I'm like, "That's not Loretto Kid at all. He would never do something like that." I think they were just off balance, and it's actually great that 
they ended up being off balance after the three and not a split second before because that would have fucked up a perfect finish. Yeah, totally. Um, the only other thing we should talk about briefly is that um, CML announced the Bandito Border match for Christmas Day. They're obviously trying to throw everything they have at trying to get people to actually buy one of these pay-per-views because – Largely, people have given up since their anniversary show. It's like I'm the I'm in the chat rooms for those shows, and it's like a ghost town. I think it rebounded a little bit in November, just because there wasn't four in a month. But do you think this lineup that now has Volador Bandito, Cooper Junior, um, the Diamantes versus the Guerreros, and a Micros match? Do you think that's going to do better than they've done recently? Do you think it's going to be any closer to the anniversary show? Here I'm saying that I'm going to be positive on the podcast <laughs> and you bring up CMLL. Uh, I think it'll be a show. I, I have very low expectations for CML in general. This is the best show that they can put together. I'm sure it'll have added interest over the bore fest that they did the last two months. But when it comes to match quality, I'm you can never hope for anything good out of CML. If you get something good, just consider it bonus. I'm sure Bandito and Volador will try, but just the entire way CML operates, I'd be surprised if it ended up being good. I yeah. think it's just they're doing it to do it, to check it off the fact that, hey, we promised this match and we're delivering it. And I know that Bandito wants to do it because he promised that he would do it, but I'm not personally looking forward to it. And I don't even think I'm going to buy it. I think I might watch it if it's available by via other means, but I cannot justify spending a penny on CMLL these days. Yeah. Uh, I, I watch it because I'm an addict and I will watch all shows, but it's not... But, you know, we need to get back to the Bandito thing in a second, I just realized, but for, for these shows, like, the worst thing for a CML right now is that their TV shows are just kind of killing any interest in the pay-per-views because you see all these guys having these lame matches and then you're expect, expecting, they're expecting you to pay to watch shows that in the idea that they would be better matches, but there's really no inducement for them. Their TV shows do not build or mention those pay-per-views at all. And the TV shows are just like matches they've taped in the last four months where something is just pulled out from one week and something's pulled out from two months later and none of it makes any sense. So they are, they are a promotion that would be in deep, deep trouble if they were had any other foundation than the one they have. I hope that Volador and Bandito is going to have a great match end of year, but I do not have the confidence I would have had in normal times. Are you actually going to watch this show? Because just to remind you, it's Christmas day at 5 PM. Yes. I am very free on Christmas Day, so that's not going to be a problem for you. Um, we should mention quickly because I haven't had, I haven't posted about anything non Triple Mania yet, and I probably will have a post tomorrow. But if you missed the Twitter stuff yesterday, Bandito uh, on Friday, I'm sorry, Bandito got Bandito and Flamita got tested positive for COVID nineteen when they went when they were going to go to the Ring of Honor. Um, we don't really know what's going on with Flamita. With Bandito, it, the apparent thing is that he had COVID before, as this the anniversary show, like it, we mentioned. And the, the tests they did check for COVID antibodies, which are still in the system because he's it stays in the system for up to six months, apparently, depending on the person. And they're at too high of a level for the Maryland Commission to let him wrestle, even though he's not infectious and he's not he's not contagious. He's not dealing with it anymore. Um, all, Ring of Honor seemed like they probably would have left them on their own, but that's the commissioner call, and maybe the commission makes sense. It's 
it's tough to know with this stuff. He came back to Mexico and took two more tests for the COVID virus in Mexico. Well, he was still in Mexico. He never left because he took the test before going to Ring of Honor. But he took two, he took a blood test and he took a third test with CMLL. Both of them came out negative. So everyone believes he does not have the virus again. It's weird that CML let him in their office to take another test after he had a positive one, but that's CML for you. As far as anyone can tell, he's fine, and it will be even more fine in a couple more weeks, but they're just being cautious not to let him on the Ring of Honor show. Um, it sucks for him I because am, cause I'm sure you... question is, Flamita is the same story, by the way. That he had the which virus. Means he, he, which means he must have had COVID at some point and just not disclosed it publicly. Yeah, or he had it and didn't even realize he had it because I'm sure there's tons of people out there who just don't, who never show symptoms, got it, pass it on to someone, then never even knew at this point. Um, yeah, and it, it sucks for him. I talked to both of them because I know that they were both looking forward to going. But uh, yeah, if it wasn't for the commission, he would be there. If not, and now he's not. So I don't know what they're going to do with the titles. I guess we'll find out in six days whenever the pay per view airs. And but Russian Dragon Lee did make it, so maybe their final Ring of Honor appearances. Who knows? It, all indications they've given us, and they're staying. I will be surprised if they're not staying. But it's it, it's this one, not just because they missed those Bendy and Flamita missing the trio style match, but the Ring of Honor TV could really use those guys. It's not like a bad show, and I, I think it's like probably the better TV show they've been lately because it's just the TV that they're focused on. But they could use a few more exciting guys for a presentation that's not always that exciting. So, um, the one thing I do want to say though is that I forgot a second ago is I wasn't a big fan of the ROH press release just because we, if not for CMLL calling an extraordinary press conference, we wouldn't have heard this Bandito story, and I kind of feel like. They could have mentioned it in their press release that, hey, by the way, he doesn't have COVID because the immediate reaction when you read that press release is, oh, he's got COVID again, which everybody jumped to that uh, conclusion right away. And I just think it could have been worded better where you could have said, listen, he tested positive, but then two negatives, but the commission still wouldn't allow it. I mean, you can write that. Plain as day is simple because I don't know if Kenny King has COVID. I don't know if uh, EC3 has COVID. They haven't, as far as I've seen, publicly disclosed it. Yeah, all I've seen, I've seen Kenny posted his test results before that news came out, but I don't know what the situation is. So I assume he has it, but I also, it also sounds like he did not, he was not having any symptoms. I have no idea what's going on with EC3. Um, I think EC3 might have even been, I don't know if EC3 was sticking around there for that or not. It's tough to tell with EC3, but that'd be just a weird way for his feud to end. Um, yeah, but that, that pay per view. I will be watching it next week, but it takes a little bit of excitement not having Mexico squad there. Um, I think that's all the stuff we have to talk about right now, and we're about at our usual 90-minute mark, so that's a good point. Stop. Yeah, I mean, thank you for setting this up. Thanks for doing it. Happy to talk about a great AAA show, end the year on a bang. Uh, Hopefully, 2021 will bring... Better stuff. We could do more podcasts with real shows in front of actual people, and wrestling can return to the way it was. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it doesn't last this long, but it, but uh, at least we got one good show through it. Thank you to the like forty some people who watch us live. I thought decent numbers. Um, we will be doing. I will be doing like 2020 Lucha Libre Tapatio Awards just because I think even though it's going to be really terrible awards, this this year deserves some terrible awards. So we're probably. I just want to memorialize it that way. I'll probably get that running sometime early January. 
But otherwise, I don't really think I have anything big coming up in the next while. I'll just uh, just keep an eye on Twitter at LutraBlog, at Rob Viper, at the website, and we will let you know next time we're going to do one of these shows. Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you later.